This podcast is brought to you by Erickson Immigration Group. Welcome to Immigration Nerds. International students' presence on campus cannot be overstated. Luckily, last week, DHS and ICE have reached a settlement agreement with the universities to continue to allow international students to take online classes. In last week's episode, we didn't get a chance to discuss exactly how international students is driving innovation within the university setting. Today, to give us the inside look from a faculty perspective is Senior Vice President of Research at Emory University, Dr. Deborah Watkins-Brunner. A footnote, this episode was recorded before the settlement agreement. However, we capture great insight into international students' ongoing contributions to new discoveries in cancer research and COVID-19 vaccines. A thank you to you. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. Dr. Brenner, it is a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Ian. Pleasure to be here and talk about this really important subject. Thank you. Well, first, can you talk about your professional background and your particular area of academic focus? Absolutely. I am the Senior Vice President of Research at Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm originally from Philadelphia. Uh, my uh, PhD is from the University of Pennsylvania, and mm -hmm. my area of research is cancer. I do cancer mm -hmm. symptom management and toxicities related to therapies. I am a member of the National Academy of Science, and I've been appointed by President Barack Obama to the National Cancer Advisory Board. In my own research, I have uh, many foreign um, students and junior faculty, foreign-born, who have been absolutely instrumental in um, moving our research forward. These new mandates are concerning not just for me um, and my research, but certainly for the students themselves, American students who benefit tremendously from international students, and for the United States research endeavor. Right. For those who don't have a, a background in the, the research world, um, could you give us a, a sense of, for any given project, how many people are working on it and, and, and for how long? What, what does those optics look like? Professors may have anywhere from one to 30 students working on their projects. Uh, and any number of them, usually a large number, especially in basic science laboratories, are foreign-born students. In fact, foreign-born postdocs are a crucial part of the infrastructure of our laboratory sciences in particular. Right. Um, yeah, so that's what I was going to ask in terms of like what role do they play? I'm not sure if you had like a percentage number of international students who work within these uh, research, but it's I'm sure it's an appreciable amount. Well, we have um, over at Emory University, for instance, we have over a thousand foreign scholars. We've got 3,000 international students, and most of them are engaged in research at some level. Sometimes it is library work, sometimes doing um, literature searches, other times it's doing experiments in the labs with uh, chemicals, with mice, uh, with devices. Uh, we have a fabulous program with Georgia Tech 
and their bioengineering program, and it combines the biosciences at Emory Hospital and University with uh, engineers at Georgia Tech. Many of these are foreign-born uh, students that are engaged, and they help invent and create uh, tremendous uh, health devices that can help people. Um, mm. They're working on COVID. They're working on better masks. They're working on easier ways to get temperature. They're working on, Emory has just put out a map of um, health disparities in um, COVID. And we know that vulnerable populations, environment, um, certain comorbidities um, and race have um, are um, predictors of poorer outcomes for COVID. So it's these international students and scholars are uh, well entrenched in helping the United States do research into one of the most basic problems that we're facing today as, as in COVID. Right. Some would say those are essential workers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, that's a great point, Ian. They are. You know, um, it's not just the benefit. I, you know, we, we're, we're cutting off our nose despite our face with these kinds of mandates. Um, hmm. It is just inconceivable that we would try to stop the best and the brightest coming from the United States they don't just learn from us, we learn from them, which is really incredible and important. Many United States born citizens, when they're looking for a university, really want diversity. They want to meet people from other countries. And in return, they want this to be bi-directional. Our American students want to study in other countries, people from other countries want to study in the United States. You know, right now, 60 world leaders have all been educated in the United States. That can only help our international relations, which are not very good right now, given our uh, poor response to COVID. Right. Um, that, that mutual exchange of, of knowledge and culture and insight, um, it, it's a give and take dynamic, um, which sort of goes to uh, what you wrote in your article about how international students and just immigrants in general add to America's competitiveness. That's exactly right. So first there was the mandate that came out at the end of May that was limiting um, visas from certain countries. In the first mandate, H-1Bs and H-2B visas were in jeopardy. And that's where many of our postdoctoral fellows come from. Uh, and by the time you're a postdoctoral fellow, you are among the best and the brightest in your field. And you are the pipeline of many of our scholars and junior faculty. And um, as in the op-ed that we had written, we have any number of um, senior faculty that were once on an, either an OPT or a, a J visa or an H-1B or an F visa. Um, and now are American citizens. They contribute in the most significant ways to the United States. Um, I had mentioned we have one um, physician, Dr. Rafi Ahmed, who has literally changed how the world thinks about immunotherapy. Okay. <laughs> he has a vaccine center. Um, and it's not just the vaccine center and the work that Emory does 
that brings in jobs to Georgia. It is the foundation of his work that is bringing in foundations all over the United States. There have been all class of new drugs that are being developed, generating millions of jobs and billions of dollars, all from this foreign-born American citizen who started on one of these visas that the new federal mandates would eliminate. Right. And that's always the argument on one side saying that uh, we must protect American jobs. If we invite too many people from overseas, they are going to take the jobs that our Americans, uh, our native-born Americans, uh, could have had. Uh, but in, in reality, intimating to what you're saying, is that uh, those who come over here and work in you know, particular fields, uh, whether they're entrepreneurs or they're, they're researchers, they create more jobs than is taken actually you know 10 50 100 fold <laughs> in terms of developing entire industries and, and sectors so uh that economic development is usually i'm not sure if whether it's recognized on the other side of the argument but that that's a reality well ian you're exactly right and whatever okay. jobs are taken the benefit of our foreign students coming here far outweighs any detriment. We get so much more, believe it or not, than we give. <laughs> and that is absolutely crucial. If you don't even want to talk about kindness or humanity, if you just want to talk about, we'll talk about economic sense, yeah. right? <laughs> um, it makes no economic sense. Uh, you had just said um, that we have um, about 1.1 million students or 5% of our um, student population each year in universities is international. Well, the mandate that just came out is that any college that is going wholly online, in order to try to protect students and faculty and neighborhoods from COVID, that those um, international students cannot stay in the United States if their curriculum is online they must go back. But what this also loses is that um, learning is not just about in classroom. Um, many of these students, as I mentioned, are working on research and that's part of their experiential learning. But again, we're cutting off our nose despite our face because the work they are doing contributes to the United States, to our knowledge and our economy. So we are harming ourselves. <sighs> yes. Um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting just to get a look of the, the inner workings of the universities and how students contribute. And that later on impacts the economy. It bolsters jobs, truly creates a, a, a healthy uh, economic system. To undermine that, so if we want to just stick with the numbers and, and not think about the humanitarian uh, aspect, the human aspect of it, um, it, it clearly doesn't make sense. Um, you, you also mentioned that we would benefit from adopting a more streamlined visa process. What did you mean by that? And what would that look like for you? 
Well, we um, used to have a shorter turnaround time for OPTs and our visas. When we have research that is about to start up, we need that labor force right away. We get funding from the federal government, from foundations uh, to do work. For instance, the current government has a rapid response system that they've employed through the National Institutes of Health to try to quickly deal with COVID, to try to quickly um, understand the disease, come up with vaccines. Well, who do you think is working on, on the research? Many of the labor, much of the labor force assisting um, our faculty are indeed our foreign students, our foreign born scholars, even junior faculty that are here on H-1Bs. So it, it makes no sense to say we want a labor force that can quickly find us a vaccine for COVID, but we're going to throw out half the uh, labor force because they're international students or international scholars. It just doesn't make any sense. Again, the self-harm is just amazing to me and the lack of thought that's put into this. I would appeal to the humanitarian side of this government, but there doesn't seem to be any. If the economic side means anything, if the cure or vaccines for coronavirus means something, for those trying to get elected, then still this is a bad policy because in order to come up with a, a vaccine quickly, we are in desperate dire need of the student labor force that is here assisting our, our US uh, faculty with trying to find the cure or vaccines for prevention of COVID. Beautifully said. <laughs> Beautifully said. Before before we uh, wrap up, I'm just interested uh, in terms of what you're working on currently. What is the research that you're doing right now? The research I do it continues in cancer. Um, right now, we're looking at the microbiome and cancer treatments. So the microbiome is that colony of good and bad bacteria that live inside us, right? All those mm -hmm. bugs. Yep. Um, and we yep. know the cancer therapy kills many of the bugs. Um, and unfortunately, then sometimes the good bugs come back, the good bacteria, but sometimes it lets lots of the bad bacteria populate. So mm -hmm. while we're trying to kill a tumor, we may be also doing harm to the rest of our immune system and our um, how we metabolize food, et cetera. One of the other things we're doing now is facilitating many studies that are cross-cutting between cancer and COVID. We know that cancer patients with depressed immune systems um, are also at higher risk for bad outcomes with uh, the COVID virus. So um, we're doing a lot of work in terms especially of these um, things called the social determinants of health. We're trying to understand how the most vulnerable populations are vulnerable, not just for COVID. They're, they turn out to be these factors, which means uh, living in segregated areas that have food deserts, that have um, the stress of segregation and suppression, that have poor education, um, that have poor health literacy, 
that have um, increased obesity, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease. Yeah. It's a common pathway to all things bad in health, whether it's diabetes outcomes, losing a leg, losing eyesight, whether it's getting the coronavirus. These are still the top factors for um, actually contracting and dying of the coronavirus. Um, and they're also some of the same factors that contribute to cancer. So they're all interrelated. We're doing a great deal of work at Emory University and, and in my team to look at the social determinants of health. And I have superstar postdocs and junior faculty, all on visas, <laughs> who are working on all of this work. You know, the biggest fear in is not only that we're losing the best and brightest, among us, it's that we're sending them to work somewhere else. We're not only doing self-harm, these people, um, our foreign students and scholars are so bright that they're gonna do their work somewhere else, just not here for us. To rise to the level of being able to come to the United States, being able to get into top schools like Emory, to be able to contribute to top research um, with researchers that have won Nobel laureates and all kinds of awards for their work. And then to send them away, they're going to do that work and contribute to other countries. We're harming ourselves in every way with these new mandates from the government. Well, Dr. Brenner, uh, we support you and uh, we're definitely going to be at the front lines to make sure that you have all the talent with you that's necessary to continue to do the much needed work in, in research that, that will benefit all of us. So I, I appreciate the work that you do and we'll make sure that, that we advocate having the, the best and brightest around you to support you. Appreciate your well wishes and all the good work you're trying to do to um, help immigrants and uh, those great people on visas who are coming to contribute to the United States. Thank you to lead researcher Con Branch, assistant producers Luke Bianco and David White, and music by Brandon Williams. Follow Immigration Nerds on Twitter at IMMNerds and Erickson Immigration Group on LinkedIn to join in the conversation. I'm Ian Gaines. See you next week.